Hi friend, this is Alex McRobbs, founder of The Mindful Life Practice, and you're listening to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast. I'm a Canadian who moved across the world to the Middle East at age 23, and I never went back. I got sober in 2019, and I now live full-time in Bali, Indonesia. I've made it my mission to help other women around the world stop drinking, start yoga, and change their lives through my online Sober Girls Yoga community. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl Podcast. I'm so excited to be sitting here with Terry Patterson. And Terry is the sober nutritionist. And I was on her podcast a few years ago, The Sober Edge. And I'm so excited to finally have her on the show and, and hear more about her sober journey and how she got to where she is today. So welcome, Terry. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's always fun to hang out with the Sober Yoga Girl. Uh, Your business looks different than mine, and I just am delighted to connect with you each time we have the opportunity. So nice to connect with you as well. Yeah. And and to see, I love the opportunity to check in over long term. Like I think I was thinking about the first time I ever sat down with you, and I think I had just moved to Bali like two years before. Yeah. And so it's cool to reconnect and see like how much has shifted in both of our lives and and where we're at now. Yeah. And it's interesting because when I think about how long I've been doing, um, well, I've been alcohol free for over eight years now. And I, you know, started um, almost immediately, I went to nutrition school. So I just passed my seven year anniversary of getting certified as a functional nutritionist. But I've only really been coaching in the alcohol-free space for a little over four years, and a lot has happened in four years. It feels like when you're sort of in a new industry or an, an industry that's really growing, maybe in the beginning, it's sort of on warp speed. And I don't know if that's just because things are moving and changing with the offers that are out there, with people's awareness around alcohol-free products and opportunities. Uh, or if it's just my own entrepreneurial journey, but it feels like these four years have been 10 years. (laughs) I would a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. The evolution and the growth. Like we were just, we were just chatting before we started interviewing for this podcast, Terry and I were talking about like all these different events coming up, you know, like this event that she was at this past weekend, something I'm doing later this year. And, and it just doesn't feel like there was this much happening around the world you know, four or five years ago. So I completely agree. Mm, yeah. And I, I love that it is happening at this pace because yeah. it's like, you know, the fire is starting to spread. And so it's going to turn into a wildfire. And I think we're already seeing so much activity and um, just acceptance of new ways to explore what it means to be on this journey. And I think that is the most exciting part for me is I keep evolving and it feels like the women that I want to serve, I do also work with men, but mostly women are really kind of coming along this journey with me, which is really exciting. So cool. So you're eight years alcohol-free. That's incredible. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey leading up into that point, going alcohol free, like what was, what was your life like before that moment? Yeah. So I did not stop drinking until I was 55. And when I look back on it, I really had 
that still small voice, and then not such a quiet voice, more of a loud voice. Uh, the tap on my shoulder turned into like a little bit of a push that it was time to do something about my drinking. Not because anybody else thought I had a problem, but like many of us, it felt like a problem for me. I noticed that I couldn't really turn off the noise about alcohol. I couldn't really separate myself. I couldn't take any sustained breaks. And it really felt like it was pushing against everything I believed in. I felt like I was sort of losing parts of myself. You know, I wasn't being as authentic as I wanted to be. And it just was, I was in a painful place. I was miserable. And, you know, I look back on it now and I realized that I had been feeling that for a long time, but I had sort of pushed it aside and gotten through and told myself it wasn't that bad because I wasn't drinking more than anyone else. In fact, I tell this story from time to time, but my own mother, when I stopped drinking, she said, I don't understand why you stopped drinking. You didn't have a problem. And I told her what I have told everyone since then. It was a problem for me because yeah, it was just too much noise in my head. Alcohol was taking up so much space. And what was fascinating was I didn't have any um, support in the sense that I didn't know at that time. It was October of 2015. Later, when I talked to Annie Grace, because she was my mentor that I trained with to become a This Naked Mind coach, it turns out she actually published her first book in 2015 around the same time. But I wasn't even looking. I didn't even know there was things out there. I just told myself I was going to stop drinking. And if it didn't work out, I might have to go to meetings, which in my case meant AA, because that was all I knew. And the fascinating thing is I never went to a meeting. I stopped drinking and I never drank again. Now, some people might say, well, that sounds really easy. But it wasn't easy because we all go through those same processes. We have to figure out what to do in the very beginning, which looks a lot like distraction and looks like a lot of, you know, pacing around the house, taking my dog for multiple walks, you know, not cooking dinner because I didn't want to go in the kitchen where it was typically my habit to pour myself my first drink. So there was still all of that going on. Um, I just didn't have, you know, a bunch of day ones. And so what I realized very quickly was, I had so much time and energy that I needed to do something. And that's when I went to nutrition school. I kind of looked around, the universe delivered this opportunity. And I thought, I've always been a wellness enthusiast, uh, but I was doing it wrong because I was making all these healthy changes, but I was still drinking. So I thought I would go to nutrition school and no one would be drinking. <laughs> you know, it literally is laughable because that's just not the way the world works. Yeah. Um, but I did meet some lovely people. I learned a lot about nutrition. And when I came out of that certification, uh, it was nine months and I started teaching some nutrition classes and working with a few clients, I realized that the biggest struggle was often not drinking. Mm. And I didn't have any tools to help them with not drinking. I hadn't done anything. And now I shouldn't say that because now I look back and intuitively I did a few things that actually really were helpful 
but I didn't really have a process at that time. And I didn't know, you know, how to teach people. And I still don't teach people. I coach people. They figure it out, right? <laughs> That's what we do. Um, but I, you know, played around for a little while with nutrition. Um, I was still working full time. And then I found the work of Annie Grace. And I was fortunate to be one of her first certified coaches. So I started working with Annie Grace's big programs, the live alcohol experiment, their year-long path in 2019. And I did that for four years. And I met a lot of amazing, amazing people. I gained a lot of experience. Um, and I've started since then, you know, offering my own programs and reaching out for women who are no longer drinking, but are looking for now what? How do I take these skills that I've learned and build the life I deserve? Mm, I love that. Building the life I deserve. That's beautiful. So tell me about this kind of, this really interests me, the link between like nutrition and sobriety. How, why, why is it relevant? How can, how does your nutrition impact your sober journey? Yeah. So what's really fascinating is uh, we do not understand collectively as a society, really the impacts that alcohol has on every system in our body. Mm -hmm. And this is so funny. It's sort of a full circle moment because when I went to nutrition school um, early on, like month three or month four, we had to come up with a community project to practice what we were learning. And I decided I was going to go to a recovery group and talk to them about nutrition and alcohol. I didn't realize that that was how I was going to end up working with clients. And that was going to become my new business. I thought I was just going to do nutrition, but it was really um, the start of me to kind of digging in and figuring out what's really happening when we drink alcohol, what's happening with our sleep, what's happening with blood sugar regulation, what's happening in the brain and why is nutrition so impacted by alcohol? And the next thing I did that was kind of, um, part of this was when I was starting to do more coaching around alcohol, I went back to my school where I was an alumni and I asked to talk to the graduating classes about alcohol. And they said, yes. <laughs> and so I was able to give a couple of different presentations and share like, this is what we need to know and what we need to tell our clients. And it's not about making alcohol scary. Alcohol is scary all in itself, but alcohol is also just an innocuous substance that doesn't do anything to us until we ingest it. I mean, alcohol isn't even really toxic until we ingest it. And so it's fascinating because we then have to start processing alcohol and that's where the impact on our body starts to take hold. Uh, it impacts our hormones, it impacts our immune system. And so we want to be really cautious when it comes to thinking that I can drink a little bit of alcohol and it's not really a problem. And I recently talked to Dr. Brooke Scheller. She's written an amazing book and we've become friends. And she has a book called How to Eat to Change How You Drink. And it really is helping from a layman's standpoint, you know, just understand why it is that alcohol is so detrimental. Mm. So I know that that was kind of laying the groundwork. Do you have specific questions? Well, I'm wondering, I mean, I know for me, um, what's been really relevant to me is once I went alcohol free, 
there were a lot of different nutritional shifts that I had to make to, to make myself feel well, basically. And it's been like a long journey and I've had to do a lot of learning and reading myself. And it's felt like something that I haven't necessarily had a ton of education on. And I think for everyone, it looks really different, you know, like it's not like one way or one size fits all, but, um, I'm just wondering, like, I'm thinking about someone who's listening, who might be like in the early days of their alcohol-free journey, like what kind of lifestyle changes could they make to support them to stay alcohol-free? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always like to think of it in terms of addition and subtraction. Mm -hmm. So there's things we want to take out of our diet and there's things we want to add. And I am a big proponent of waiting on taking a lot of supplements because the nutrition school that I went to we have to prioritize digestion or we aren't even going to have any benefit from the supplements that we take. If our body and our digestion is out of whack to the point that we're having an impact such as, um, you know, um, really um, disruptive bowel symptoms, like, you know, one day we're not going, the next day we're going too much, um, not to get too graphic, but, you know, we, as a nutritionist, I talk a lot about poop, but we won't necessarily need to do that today. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, um, if we are in this place of, we, we have to start taking out the alcohol. So that's the first thing. So we're no longer adding a toxin. We're no longer asking our body and our liver to process this toxic substance. So that's a benefit, right? The other things we can remove are processed foods. And eat as clean a diet as you can, nutrient-rich, whole food, so that you're giving your body the nutrients it needs. Alcohol depletes a lot of nutrients um, because of the way that it manifests in the system, the way that we have to process alcohol. And so we want to give our body the best chance. So remove uh, processed foods, remove alcohol, and then start adding in healthy choices. And that can look like just eating, you know, more roughage. Uh, one of the things that our body needs to do is we really need to get that gut microbiome back in balance. And, you know, again, to your point, it's going to look different for everyone. So it's not like you can just go out and take a probiotic, but what we can do and what our body will help us do is use whole food. So when we think about our gut microbiome, we want to focus on prebiotics and probiotics. So probiotics, we know, we've heard now for a number of years that like fermented foods, uh, yogurts, kimchi, sauerkraut, kombucha, those are really helpful. But then we can also help our body create the probiotics through eating more fiber and more variety. So we need a lot of variety in our diet and we need to think about fiber and that's going to help us create the fertile ground for those probiotics to flourish. And then there's something I just heard this weekend called postbiotics. So I was asking Dr. Brooke because I was with her and I'm like, okay, what did I miss? When did postbiotics become a thing? And she explained to me that postbiotics are really just the work that the end product a pre and probiotics. So the natural way your body is going to utilize that. But again, we're going to start with whole foods so that we can get digestion moving. And one thing that we want to pay attention to is blood sugar regulation. We can kind of assume 
that it might not be working optimally if we've been drinking on a regular basis. Many of us, if you're like me, for years and years and years, decades. So we want to start with maybe more frequent, smaller meals. And sometimes in the beginning, I just talked about roughage and you know lots of veggies, but if our digestion's a little tricky in the beginning, we're having some bowel discomfort, cooked food, it's gonna be easier for us to do like, instead of like a big old salad, and then our stomach is like rumbling, trying to figure out how are we gonna digest all these greens and all this roughage, if we cook our vegetables in the beginning, it's easier to digest. So we can do some simple things. Hydration is really important. Flushing the liver, adding more water so that our bodies, so the food can do the work it needs to do. Um, we don't want our liver and bile from our gallbladder. We don't want that to be really thick. Uh, so we wanna use more hydration and there's some simple things we can do, but again, think about subtracting the bad, adding the good, go slow, give yourself time. It doesn't happen overnight. I work with clients, Alex, who they're like, well, I've been at this three months. It's like, and remind me how long you were drinking for mm -hmm. 30 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's put it into perspective. The good news is that our body does the work of repairing really, really quickly. Our body wants to get back into balance. It's doing everything it can to help us. Wow. That, you know, this is so interesting um, because I, this is one of the biggest things that I felt on my sober journey wasn't really addressed. Like when I was going alcohol free, it was just kind of like advised to eat healthy. I actually, the one thing I remember was like an email from the program I was part of that was like, maybe you should try being vegan. And then I went like down this vegan path for which I had kind of been interested in for a long time, but I was vegan for quite a few years. And for me, I just didn't have enough like education and awareness on the nutrients that I was lacking and what I needed to like feed myself. And I actually think it became more detrimental to my health because I was like restricting things, but I didn't know how to, how to support myself. And I've gone down a, a little bit of a nutrition path. Um, not something that I'm planning on doing any coaching in, in the future, but I took an integrative nutrition course because I went to see a naturopath about my health and I ended up resolving a lot of health issues through changing what I'm eating. And, and so now I'm just, I've become so fascinated in it. And I just love the steps that you gave that are so simple. And I was making some connections as you were talking to changes that I've made and, and the positive influence it's had on my well being. And I, I just think it's a topic that is not addressed enough in the sober world. And it's so important and crucial. Yeah. And of course, the other piece around this is sugar, which yeah. is, you know, with people struggling with sugar after they stop drinking and there's so much support we can do nutritionally around that to help people. And in fact, I'm taking a small group through a program that I teach right now. And we're using a lot of the same tools that we learn in our alcohol-free journey around like, what am I really wanting right now? You know, we think that we're you know, hungry. But one of the things that happens often for people when they have been drinking and over drinking for a while, we kind of lose that hormonal piece. Uh, two of our hormones are leptin and ghrelin. And so ghrelin, think of a growling stomach. Gre ghrelin tells us when we're hungry. Leptin tells us when we're full. 
we, those hormones can be so out of whack that I often work with people who don't really know. They don't have normal hunger signals. And so, you know, getting back to understanding, oh yeah, I need more education around what works for me. And one really simple thing that I think is underutilized is keep a food journal. Like this is free and easy. And so I want to invite anyone listening to just try it for three days. And I like to have my clients track three things. Food. I want to know what you're eating. I don't care about how much. I want to know what it is. Mood. How did you feel one to two hours later? And then poop. Here we go again. Sorry. <laughs> but did you eliminate? Because your body is telling you if it's holding on to food too long, if it's purging food too quickly, that's a message from your body that you need to pay attention to. And again, if digestion is key, then that's where we need to start because it doesn't matter what we eat or how nutrient dense our meals are if we're not breaking down the nutrients and utilizing them. So we always have to start with digestion that looks like gut health and it looks like paying attention to how we feel. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. Is, I love this conversation. It's so interesting. And it reminds me a little bit of, I think it was, I was listening to, a, I think it was an Andrew Huberman podcast or maybe Jay Shetty or they were together or something, but they were talking a little bit about the, um, something related to, I think it was like the dopamine, um, the desire. I'm totally going to butcher this because I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but basically we have this craving or this desire to have something like sugar, for example. But if we're able to um, look ahead and see how it's going to make us feel in the future instead of how it's going to make us feel in that moment and then make decisions based on that, it was something really inspiring around that that I've kept with me because it's totally true. It's like, I have this, I desire this chocolate or this sugar or whatever right now. And I know that these things don't make my body feel well. And I see the reaction in, in my body, like something I, I really struggled with a couple years post sobriety was I had a lot of acne for a long time, which I didn't understand was directly related to my blood sugar. And it was because I was having things like sugar on an empty stomach. And it doesn't mean that I can't have any sugar anymore, but I just need to I have like a formula for how I eat my meals now. Like I have my fiber, I have my protein. And then if I want to have sugar, it's at the very end. And that just helps me support me. My stomach is aligned and, and I feel better. And it's, it's me shortcutting. It's kind of like the desire to drink, you know, and I, I have this craving to drink, but I need to play the tape forward and think about how that's going to make me feel in the future. And I have to do the same thing with what I'm eating. And, and it's cultivating a mindfulness around that, which I don't think I had the skill set previously to, to really understand. Yeah. And I'm looking at you now and your skin is glowing and beautiful. So that's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. And you know, we have to remember that our body has been hanging on for this period of time that we were drinking. And one of the things that's also very interesting is that people will stop drinking and I invite people to really check in, you know, around the 30 day mark, 30 days, six weeks, how are you feeling? Because if you're not starting to feel some physical improvement, it might be time to get some baseline, some, you know, some labs, some blood work uh, and dig in a little deeper because we think you can think of it like the check engine light in your car. So the check engine light might be on 
But when we're drinking, we don't see it. It's like there's masking tape over it and we don't see it. And so now we've peeled back the masking tape, the check engine light is on, and we start to be aware of how our body is responding without alcohol and what else is going on. And this is why it's so fun to sort of blend the alcohol-free journey with nutrition because it's often the thing that people want to work on next. And I always invite people, people sometimes ask me, what should I do first? And this is my, it's not a hard and fast rule, but I think it makes sense. So I always invite people to consider letting go of alcohol first, working on their alcohol-free journey, because one, we can learn so many skills that are going to help us with every other area of change and habit formation and you know, talking back to our brain. I like to think of it as bossing your brain around. We're going to learn all that in our alcohol-free journey, but we're also able with alcohol, we can be 100% abstinent. We cannot do that with food. So when you can take something out and you have, you know, you learn how to do that, then when you're doing the moderation that we're always going to have to be in with food, we have way more practice and skills. And so I always invite people to think about starting with alcohol first. Mm -hmm. Love that. Okay, so I'm really curious, listening to your expertise and hearing you share so much, what are the programs that you offer right now and how can people work with you? Yeah, so I do a small group nutrition program. I usually just run it a couple of times a year. I've got a small group. We just started this week. If anybody wants to jump in, we've only just done the prep week. Um, but it really is, it's not a program I wrote, but I love this curriculum because it's very simple. We focus on eliminating some foods. We do an assessment before and after, and we get an opportunity to see how our body responds when we take out some of the common offending foods. We do a whole week on blood sugar regulation, a whole week on digestion, a whole week on healthy fats. So that's called Restart. It's a lot of fun to teach, and you can absolutely reach out to me. It's on my website. You can find information. I also do uh, a small group. Well, it's Sometimes it's small, but I do a group for women after alcohol. It's my signature program called The Self Experience. And we actually spend four months and we go through some of these topics that as we're you know, going through them, Alex, we're all scratching our head together saying like, why did we never learn about these things? But we talk about boundaries. We talk about decision-making. We talk about contentment. We talk about friendship. So that's also really fun. And that next iteration, it's a closed group. It goes for four months. And then I started another one. So that'll be happening again in March. Uh, and then I work with clients, you know, around their either individual nutrition journeys or their individual alcohol-free journeys. Okay. Wow. That all sounds so fantastic and so useful. And um, yeah, I'm super, I'm like, maybe I'll sign up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I always enjoy blending a little bit of nutrition in with people who are on this alcohol-free journey, because just like, you know, when Dr. Brooke came out with her book and we've talked on my podcast a couple of times, but um, it's just so important to remind us that food is medicine and no matter what we're working on to change in our life, lifestyle and food are going to be such an important component, whether you're wanting to, you know, get stronger, whether you're going through menopause, all of these things have a nutritional component 
And so the nutrition piece that, you know, learning that information, it's never going to go away. It's always going to help you be more in tune with your body and be able to respond in the way that works for you. Love that. Okay. I'm wondering, I have one more question for you. Um, if you had any advice for someone who is just beginning their alcohol-free journey or wants to potentially quit drinking, what would that advice be? Yes. So I love this question. And I think for me, it comes down to kind of like one of my superpowers that has come out of sobriety, and that is curiosity. Mm -hmm. I learned uh, this from Liz Gilbert. She was telling a story about how when she was a writer, she would hold workshops and she would talk to people about, you know, finding their passion and, and leaning into their one thing that they were meant to do. And then someone challenged her and said, I don't, I don't know what that is. Are you telling me I don't have value? And she really started thinking about the people in her life that she admired the most. And it turned out they weren't somebody who just had one passion and they did the same thing their whole life they really led with curiosity. And sometimes we call them dabblers. And so one thing that I've realized, and I see this with my clients too, is that when we lead with curiosity, we suspend judgment. And I think we can get so judgy about ourselves and we're doing it wrong, it's not working, judgy about other people, worried about them judging us. And when we lead with curiosity, we have this beautiful opportunity to say, what if it looks different? Or what might I learn on this journey? What can I be open to? And to me, it's been so helpful and powerful. That lead with curiosity. That's beautiful. Well, Terry, thank you so much for being on the show. This was an incredible episode, so informative and inspiring. And I'm definitely excited to, to check out what you're offering and see if something, maybe something related to nutrition lines up because it's definitely an interest of mine. And I'm sure many of the people listening as well would probably be interested in joining too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about it. It's, you know, when they say, how do you know that you, you really have a passion for something? Uh, and it's when you can talk about it all day long and not get tired. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So thank you for the opportunity to just rattle on and on. <laughs> thank you so much, Terry. And I hope we meet in real life soon. It feels like I know you, but I know that it would be amazing to actually get to give you a hug and a squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye now. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sober Yoga Girl Podcast. This community would not exist without you. So thank you for being here. It would be massively helpful if you subscribe to this show and leave a review so that we can reach more people. And if we haven't met yet in real life, please come hop on Zoom at the Mindful Life Practice because the opposite of addiction is connection. Sending you love and light wherever you are in the world.